Yeah, guys, this is just going to be Fitzgerald and I at first, and maybe at the end we can do some questions. But um, for now, we're just it's just he and I are going to talk about Bin Laden's letter to America because it went viral on TikTok out of the blue a few couple weeks ago. All the Zoomers just discovered it, and then the Guardian. Uh, which had a translated copy, deleted it. And they claimed, well, we deleted it because it was going viral and it was without context. Uh, And then they uploaded some contextualized, watered-down one. But this is one of the the topics, I guess, a new generation of people are discovering September 11th. We're not even alive when it happened. It's odd to me. It's because it's so burned in my memory. It always seems like just a year ago or even yesterday even though it was more than 20 years ago. And I've been talking about it uh, ever since it happened, made films about it, documentaries, gone to the museum, interviewed people, so has Adam. And it's an uphill struggle with the uh, the Jonestown, Fetzer, Kook-type cult. And they were out of the way for about a year. And people started discovering real facts about September 11th when the Charlottes finally shut up for a second. And this letter to America went around and it happened to dovetail when there's a yet again, another conflict between Palestine and Israel where God's chosen lunatics are genociding children, bombing apartments and doing the things they've always done. Another Nakba as their president and others in the Knesset have called for. And when you read bin Laden's letter, one of his grievances, one of his major grievances to try and justify what he did and it doesn't justify what he did, but what he attempts to do is point to, well, look at all the horrible things America's done, most of which is supporting the Zionist regime, annexing land and murdering people and stealing their homes, which is a legit grievance. Uh, And I want to point out, that doesn't mean you then can go do the same thing to people in New York and D.C. by ramming a plane into a building. That doesn't fix anything. That makes you just like Israel. Only you flew the plane into the building instead of flying it over the building and dropping a bomb on it. But uh, let's get Adam's opinion on here. What did you think about this letter going viral all of a sudden? Were you surprised that people were just discovering something that's been out for two decades? Yeah. Hey, good evening, Roy. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit surprised, actually. Um, but not it's not to be uh, unexpected, I guess. But um like you said, it's been around for many, many years, but people are 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 finally understanding why Arab fundamentalism, Arab fundamentalist terrorist attacks exist. It's not so much that our women wear short skirts, or that uh, we're a secular nation, or that Christians and Jews and Muslims can coexist. It has everything to do with uh, foreign policy, uh, West Western foreign policy, and Israeli they don't just policy. hate us for our freedoms, like George Bush said. Right, exactly. Uh, that's what he, and that was also the the explanation given, as when Co-Chair Lee Hamilton of the Nine Eleven Commission uh, told uh, Patrick Fitzgerald, U.S. Attorney General, uh, U.S. Attorney from Chicago, asked uh, Fitzgerald, "Why do they hate us?" And Fitzgerald told the truth. It has everything to do with U.S. foreign policy. Everything. Bin Laden's letter is basically nothing new. What Bin Laden had been doing for throughout the 90s, as well as people like even President uh, that predicated him, such as Abu Nadal, 
and others that came after him, like Dr. Ayman al-Zohari and uh, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, the leader of the Islamic State, or somebody like uh, Saeed Imam al-Sharif, known as Dr. Fadl. They have all written letters. They have all done videos. You could see them online where they basically say nothing about religion, nothing that this is a religious war or a war between monotheisms, but has everything to do with how U.S. foreign policy is dictated specifically in the Arabian Peninsula and Southeast Asia. Muhammad Atta, too, they gave all political reasons for what they did. There was not, no mention of religion whatsoever. I mean, they happened to be religious, but whatever. I would point out Lee Hamilton, who you mentioned, the co-chair of the 9-11 Commission, was also the co-chair of the Tower Commission during Iran-Contra, where the Americans and Israelis sold contraband to factions within Iran, as well as illegal narcotics all throughout. Uh, they had purchased from Nicaragua as they supported Contras, murdering about 30,000 people in their war against the Santanistas in Nicaragua, who had overthrown the Somoza family, which had been gun running to Israel uh, since the 50s. So that's and and who did he co-chair the Tower Commission with? The the House Republican Dick Cheney. Unbelievable. Right. And then he's investigating Dick Cheney. (laughs) Everything seems to have like a convenient circle surrounding, say, the neocons and past grievances and commissions and whatnot. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But in regards to the letter. And it's pretty much a straightforward letter. There's no uh, dancing around with bin Laden. Bin Laden is known as being very straightforward, quiet, reserved, but straightforward. Where he basically suggests that uh, through your vote, the American vote, um, whether it's Bush or whether it's Obama, and he mentions both, um, he specifically states that they are doing it uh, against the, the interest of even their own American people. And not only that, it comes at a price, and the price is not just the American people economically, which is what war does. It hurts economically, uh, domestically, and, and foreign, but also to the lives and the millions that are devastated in the Arabian Peninsula and in Asia. And when you have countries like Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Libya and Pakistan, uh, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, these are all countries that we have heard before. And where have we heard these before, Ryan? Well, you've mentioned it prior in your discussions over the years, as well as others, in foreign policy guidelines, one of them being the Oded Yunnan Plan, which a lot of people say, well, it's basically based yeah. on a conspiracy. But take a look mm-hmm. at the convenient aspects of that paper, which was written by a foreign policy advisor to Ariel Sharon. And in it, it states that we needed to defragment the Arab countries, where are, which are a direct threat to Israel. Nothing about the United States, but to Israel. Well, what we'll followed yep. up that? You had the Wolfowitz doctrine. It, let me elaborate on that a little bit before Wolfowitz and Clean Break. Sure. It sure. also it also said to foster sectarian violence on purpose. They wanted to get Sunni Shia and Kurds killing each other. And something else you said was. Uh, and I agree with war hurts the economy. People take this phrase war is the health of the state. And they think, no, people go to war to get out of depression. Like they have this thing. That's how you got out of the world war depressions is they went to war again. No war is the health of the state, not the health of the economy. War helps very select industries like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon turn over a buck in the MIC, but at the expense of all, like that's all taxpayer money. When you go in, Lockheed gets a check 
where do you think that money comes from in the defense department? They print it and they tax it. It hurts the economy. Every time you send a missile that costs a million dollars to make and it blows up and you can use it once, you might as well just take that money, throw it in the fireplace. It does not help the economy to constantly wage war. That's why countries with poor economies will not engage in a protracted war. It'll destroy them. Yes, that's yeah, exactly let's go right. on. Oded Yanan, I, w- I hope everyone will read it. It was finally translated into English. I had it up on my forum. And if when you there's certain paragraphs in there, you read it, and it sounds exactly like what would be recycled by Project for a New American Century and the Weekly Standard, the Wolfowitz Doctrine, uh, the Clean Break Strategy from Pearl and Fromm, these weirdos. They're they're wrong, but this is what they believed. Like they really thought they could get Hashemite Jordans and like, like all this stuff. But this all Israeli centric, written for Israeli prime ministers, and yet implemented in the United States, who had a defense for uh, policy chairman in the Defense Department, Richard Pearl, who was a convicted spy for Israel and still got to work in the Pentagon at the highest level. That's whose office, that that famous or kind of infamous clip of Clark saying, oh, I got a list from upstairs saying we got seven different countries they want to embomb, Iraq, Syria, Libya. Upstairs is Rumsfeld office and the policy board chairman was Richard Pearl. And we all know about the little click they made inside the Pentagon, the Office of Special Plans. And it was a bunch of neoconservative Zionist Jews that cherry-picked and fabricated information to get us to go to war in Iraq and then Syria and, and so on. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but from Oded Yanan was in the 1980s, and this is during the Iran-Iraq war. And they had a desired thing, well, let's have a quagmire there just like we got in Lebanon, getting all these religious factions to fight each other. Now, none of this is covered in mass media. There have been Laden's letter coming out, Talking about the starvation of hundreds of thousands of kids in Iraq, talking about the bombings in Beirut and Lebanon, and talking about Palestine. These are all legit grievances that he's pointing to. That doesn't make his, he sounds just like the Israelis, though. He's saying, like, well, you voted for this government, so you're all guilty. Oh, you voted for Hamas in 2006, some of you who weren't even born. So none of you are innocent. We can kill whoever we want. Bin Laden and, and Sharon and Netanyahu and definitely Ahud Barat all sound the same. Collective punishment. Yes, there's a, there's a connection between the three, and they all service uh, the interests of each other, actually, which is self-destruction. The Yanan plan is also known as the strategy for Israel in the 1980s as well, for those who want to uh, look up the PDF and what I'll do. On my end is I'll actually post it and put it on my Twitter. But also what followed up the Yanan plan later was the Wolfowitz Doctrine, which basically is an extension of the Yanan plan with a few tweaks. And I'm looking at the paper directly, so I'll give you the quote about what they viewed the Middle East as in Southwest Asia. And it's a this is a direct quote, quote, in the Middle East and Southwest Asia, our overall objective is to remain the predominant outside power in the region and preserve U.S. and Western access to the region's oils. We also seek to deter further aggression in the region, foster regional stability, protect U.S. nationals and property, and safeguard 
our access to international air and seaways, end quote. And that, what that is, and it is basically an extension straight to Israel. Now, look, I don't think it's this is of any surprise to anybody in this room. Uh, and, you know, Ryan's had reported on this ad nauseum, as well as myself, is that you have, when it, when it talks about the West, it's basically U.S. and Israel. And that is basically foreign policy that intertwines with each other, even though each one has their own selfish interests. The Israel, the Israeli government uses the U.S. basically for military means. The U.S. selfishly uses Israel as basically a, uh, a convenient military strategy point in, dis- in directing attacks in the Middle East. Uh, don't get me started on the religious aspect, which is very contradictory. I don't understand why they're even uh, their antagonist is Islam. Islam actually acquiesces to more than Christian uh, faith rather than Israeli and Christianity, which is diametrically opposed. But nevertheless, um, as you could see, even from just these two foreign policy guidelines, there are major similarities in the two, which extend now to 10 years. And, of course, after this came the Project for New American Century, which Ryan just brought up. Um, this was covered extensively by the both of us. Uh, was made by William Crystal and Robert Kagan. And um, I don't know, Ryan, if you have any thoughts on that, the Project for New American Century. Oh, you know I do. <laughs> PNAC <laughs> was a cabal of Zionists. Yeah, William Crystal, who ended up, after lying about Iraq and WMDs and being wrong on virtually everything, like, He's wrong more often than John Bolton, which is an accomplishment. He gets hired by Fox, gets a job. And Robert Kagan, the husband of Victoria Nuland, the F the EU, coup in Ukraine, uh, Zionist Harpy, that's now the number two at the State Department, is another serial liar who, who is one of the principal architects for this anthrax myth, saying that you know him, Fred Barnes, and Gary Schmidt, all PNAC authors, by the way, all wrote about bin Laden and Saddam connections. And one of the mythologies that came up with is, well, don't you know, you know, Saddam's got these mobile weapon labs with anthrax. And uh, guess what? Senior Iraqi officials gave it to uh, Muhammad Atta at this meeting in Prague and the Israelis witnessed it. None of that was true. Al-Qaeda didn't have anthrax. Iraq didn't have anthrax. Iraq didn't have mobile labs. And there was no meeting in Prague. And obviously the Israelis could not have witnessed an event that didn't take place. But they certainly claimed that they did. They lied. And James Woolsey, an Epstein client, brings this garbage back to the New York Observer and Charles Kushner, another Zionist neocon uh, who honey-trapped his own brother-in-law, publishes it. And then it's in the LA Times and... and uh, UK papers and stuff all over the place. Anthrax, Iraq, Anthrax, Iraq. McCain goes on the Letterman show and talks about it that October. And then Condoleezza Rice follows up and then da, 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 everybody starts talking about it. None of it was true. After the fact, when they blamed it all on Bruce Ivins after chasing around Steve, a way at when they realized, okay, Iraq didn't have WMDs and they were not connected to 9-11. They never clearly came out and say it, said it. And they never claimed out came out and said, well, why did you say it? The Israelis lied to you. They lied to you. They associated September 11th to Iraq, and Iraq didn't have a flipping thing to do with September 11th. But a lot of people thought they did. They thought they had nuclear weapons because Cheney and Rice went on TV and said they had reconstituted the nuclear weapons program and that they were buying oxidized uranium from the Congo and Niger. 
And the Najir claims were extra stupid. I believe this was Michael Ledeen and Grabarnifard, which also goes back to Iran Contra. People, these same ass liars, said um, the, the, the documents they were using for this claim of Saddam buying oxidized uranium or yellow cake was from uh, <laughs> was signed by an obsolete foreign minister. It had military seals that were also obsolete. There had the dates changed in some of the document, not the other parts of the document. Super sloppy job. Even the CIA flagged it as garbage, but Bush ignored it and put it in his speeches in Ohio and then at the State of the Union anyway. <laughs> and people thought, well, we got to get them over there before they get us here. We can't let the smoking gun be a mushroom cloud is what Condi Rice said on Tim Russert. Uh, and Tim Russert would die. Robert Novak would die. A lot of people that called him out on it suddenly had heart attacks. But, yeah, they went with that, and they invaded Iraq, and they killed almost a million people. And this is why well, they may have killed a million, according to some. You're going to have another bin Laden in the future. I mean, all those kids in Iraq, between the two Iraq wars, 500,000 children had died by 97. There were six more years of sanctions after that. So you're getting upwards of 800,000, not from the war, not from the first war, but just from the sanctions between the wars. Innocent kids starved to death. Like what's happening in Gaza, as horrible as it is, okay, multiply that by 100, and then multiply that again by three. That's what they were getting in Iraq. Murdered all those kids for nothing. And when Trump tried to pull troops out of Syria and Iraq, they, they told him, no, no, these stay here. This is for Israel. And then he complied. Because Trump grabs his ankles for Israel just as fast as any other president. But he didn't understand it. He said, why are we in Syria? Why don't we destroy ISIS? Why don't we let the Russians take care of them? And they had to tell him finally, you don't get it. We're here for Israel. Oh, then they stay. And stay they are, and now they're being attacked because again, because Israel's attacking Gaza, now you have Shia militia groups attacking U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria. They're sitting ducks. They're getting hit by mortars. We've had uh, wounded soldiers already. They're going to start getting killed as this thing escalates. And it's not in U.S. interest at all to be protecting Israel, especially in this current conflict, which is genocide. It's genocidal. Bombing apartments bombing hospitals, bombing mosques and churches, ancient relics, by the way, they're destroying. Whole families have been wiped out. Then they go to a, a UN school and arrest the employees, strip them down to the underwear and say they're Hamas fighters that surrendered. It was a staged event. They messed up in the taping of it. We're like, hey, walk here with the gun in this hand. I'll right, do it again. Gun in the other hand. Like, yeah, you still have a gun after we took off all your clothing. It's PR stunts. They're killing babies. It makes the U.S. look horrid. And then they have votes in the U.N. The entire room besides the U.K. and the U.S. says, let's have a ceasefire. U.K. abstains and the U.S. says no. And that's it. Why? Because Israel's got them by the shorties. In the APAC lobby, probably a little bit of blackmail under that, has them bent over a barrel. So this idea that, well, Israel's the unsinkable aircraft, no. And Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson did a beautiful speech on how wrong that idea is at the Washington Press Club a few years ago. It used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it still is. It's from Ermep has it archived. They had to make the Israelis, they, they, 